write your own story, Three Keys to Rise and Thrive in Life and Business. I'm your host, Rebecca Fleetwood Hessian. My favorite episodes are those where I bring you illustrations, examples of my clients and their experiences in their life. And today's episode is just that. I had a coaching session with a client this morning. And unfortunately, she suffered a terrible accident, a terrible fall last month that put her out of commission and surgery and steel plates in her face, kind of major stuff. And sometimes it's profound adversity that is what disrupts our patterns and allows us to learn and explore how to do things differently, which was also the scenario for me when I had pneumonia for two months that I wrote about in my book, Write Your Own Story. So it's interesting to me that I will occasionally have these types of client situations where there's been a profound enough situation that disrupts a pattern, all of our patterns, but from that disruption, great leaders look at the situation as teaching something. And that is the situation with my client. And one of these days, she's going to come on the show and we're going to talk about some of these things together. But for today, I'm just going to tell a bit of her story anonymously that I think is powerful for all of us. And it illustrates several of the points that we have covered over the years in this show. So she's the COO. When she got back to work, someone, I don't remember who, made the comment of her presence was missed. And we really dug into that this morning because as leaders, our presence and being intentional about our presence is the key to the difference between a mediocre leader and a great leader. Because a mediocre leader looks at things from activities, tasks, achievements. A great leader understands that it's not just their hands and back and mind that comes to work every day. It's their soul and their energy and their vibration. And it's that type of soul work presence as a leader that creates a much stronger ripple effect of value, relevance, and impact in the organization. And what makes this difficult, and I'm going to give you some step-by-step stuff in a minute, but I want to give you some context. What makes this difficult to show up knowing that it's a responsibility to bring your soul to work is that we don't get immediate feedback, gratification, is this good or bad? There's, there's not that cause and effect. When I do this, this happens. It's like parenting. When you first get that baby put in your hands, there is some immediate gratification in they cried, I fed them, they stopped. They cried, I changed their diaper, they stopped. But as that child ages and matures, it's less of the immediate feedback loop of, am I doing this right or wrong? Am I making a difference? Is this kid going to turn out okay? And the uncertainty gets greater and greater. And the positive feedback gets less and less and less. 
which is really the way it is in leadership as you move up into the higher you go in the organization, the less of that immediate gratification you get. And you got to be playing the long game. You got to understand that if you're making a tough decision today, it's because in the future it's going to pay off and be less reliant on immediate gratification of am I good? Am I doing a good job? And work more from the intuition that comes from your experience in your soul to know if you are making good decisions that are serving the organization long term. And lots of people have written about this phenomenon. My old boss, Dr. Stephen R. Covey, would talk about the law of the harvest. That you you need to be confident enough that you know that you've chosen the the right soil, you've planted the right seed, you're gonna feed it and water it, and then someday in the future get a harvest. And others have written about it in other ways, but but you get you get the gist, right? And so as my client and I were talking today about her disruptive pattern in this fall. She was out for a while when she came back. It was this, I, I now realize, which she, she already kind of knew, but it was affirming that she is making a difference in this organization because her absence was felt, not in a practical, tactical activity checks off the list, but in the energy and the vibe that she brings to the organization and the team. What came next in the conversation was the reality that she's not back to work full time. In fact, she only gets about two good hours a day in right now where she has clarity of thought because major physical issues with this fall. So that's impacting her ability to think her ability to see the computer screen, like total disruption of patterns. And so as we talked about this reality, because if she fights that and says, hey, I, I got to work eight hours a day, she's going to actually slow down her healing. And this is what I love about this woman is she knows these things. And so honoring that she may only get two hours a day and then needs to rest because that is what's going to speed her healing. So we had a really robust conversation today about if you know you're only going to get two hours a day, what is the highest and best use of your value, relevance, and impact in that two hours a day? Isn't that a phenomenal question to ask yourself? Because I immediately, after it came out of my mouth, kind of intuitively, sat back and said, oh, I need to ask myself this question and I need to tell everybody else about this question because it led us down a really profound conversation about the ripple effect of her value, relevance, and impact for the organization and narrowed us into three very specific things that she needs to pour into and who she needs to develop from a succession perspective to get these things going. Y'all. Write that one down. If you only have two hours of profound time, how are you going to spend it? And that will give you the most amazing clarity on your VRI. Oh, y'all, it was good. It was really good. 
But here's the other thing that we dug into about why she's able to handle this the way she is. Because I don't know a lot of people that would and could handle it the way that she is. And that's what I dug into with her today to affirm her and to learn from it, quite frankly, because there are some big lessons in it. And that's what I want to list off for you today. The first thing that she acknowledged with why she's able to handle this the way that she is, very proactively looking for the lessons, looking for the good, not hindering her healing by stressing out about it. It just, it is what it is, which has been a mantra of mine for decades as I've gone through some really challenging situations. Just saying, it is what it is, now what? What am I learning from it? What's my next best step? It is what it is. But she, when we looked at the list of things that allow her to handle this is that she's in, the first one I'm going to call self-awareness, which is such a generic term. So I'm going to define it in a way that you can act on it. Sometimes people will say, well, I'm really self-aware and they can tell me all of the different acronyms, letters, animals, colors from every personality profile test or every test that they've taken. Fine place to start. I'm talking about a much deeper level of self-awareness that's more contextual, that's personal, that's emotional. So self-awareness, the way I'm defining it today based on this experience with my clients is you know your patterns, you know your motivations, you know why you do what you do. Not just why I chose this career, why I chose this industry, but why you react a certain way when certain things are said. Why some things motivate you more than others. You know the why behind your feelings and your behaviors, which all that the level of self-awareness that I'm talking about doesn't come from taking the required personality profile test that HR sent to you last week and rattling off your letters, numbers, and spirit animals. If you just want to tell me, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a D, I'm a ENTJ, I'm a, okay, I'm talking about way deeper than that. In fact, and I wrote about this in the book, and I think I've talked about it here on the show before, I think having those tools were meant to be really helpful and can be really helpful, but oftentimes they're used as a crutch or a defense mechanism or a defender of your own brand that you've created based on that letter or number or spirit animal. And it prevents you from digging into the level of self-awareness that I'm talking about. That was a big statement. I wanted it to have impact. Why you do what you do, which usually comes from work that you've done with a coach, a therapist, and lots of time with yourself, with a journal, with stillness, you and you figuring it out. So action number one of today's episode, if you're looking for them, is do that. Find a coach, a therapist, time with yourself, a journal, conversations with yourself. Study yourself like it's your job. Because if you want to be a great leader, 
it is your job. And I'm going to get emotional because I have so much experience with this personally, but also with my clients that I work with. I will go as far as to say that in this day and age, for such a time as this, as it says in the Bible, my favorite book, if you're not doing that kind of work, it's irresponsible of you to go lead others. I said what I said. Because without doing that work, you can't recognize, empathize with others in helping them to understand their patterns and their motivations and tapping into the humanity of the work. It means you are likely operating far more in a command and control leadership model than one based on connection and humanity. I also know there are people that are making a career in leadership out of dressing up their command and control with fancy words and things on their profile for social media, using the buzzwords of today, like diversity or DNI or whatever, to make it appear that they are more evolved in their leadership journey than they really are. And you know, I've threatened before to be the Taylor Swift of the business community and start calling out some names of these people, but I'm not there probably ever because Jesus was humble and, and gentle for the most part. So I'm not going to do that. But boy, there are days I want to because I know from coaching people that these people have reported to the real story, the story behind what gets put out there for marketing purposes and on social media. If your thought as a leader is, I just want people to do what I tell them to do, and it would just be so much easier. Some form of that. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. Because what, we've got to move to the place where you say, I'm so curious about how you see this situation that we need to have a conversation so that together we can move forward to serve our client, customer, stakeholder, whoever that is. And it's a human's working together to serve humans conversation with the intent on making money, not we need to make money and I need people to go do what I tell them to do so we can make the money. Story first, then money. So those that are evolved to that place of deep self-awareness have studied themselves enough that when they talk to others, they can help ask the right questions for that person to feel safe and be able to work together in connection versus control. So job number one as a leader in the age of humanity is to have the level of self-awareness where you just don't get rattled about all the things anymore. And you're confident enough in yourself, your authentic confidence, that you know what you need to rejuvenate, you know what you need to be motivated, and you're confident in your experience to make decisions for the long term, not short-term gratification, not short-term, I need a quick turn on the money-making model, or short-term, I just need to check this task off the list. You're, you're planting a crop. You're, you're in it for the long-term harvest. So part two of that level of self-awareness is you understand about the nervous system. You understand the connection between your brain and your body 
and the vibes that you put out into a room or onto a Zoom call or into a conversation, you have complete and utter responsibility for the energy that you carry around in the world. That section of leaders, I can't even imagine how small the percentage is, but the impact of those leaders is profound. The ripple effect of those leaders is far greater. It goes on for generations. So just imagine if more of us got there quicker, that's how you change the world. And so what does that mean, understand my nervous system? Well, I'm glad you asked. I've spent a lot of time understanding this with my business partner, Eliza Kingsford, who is a neuro nerd. She's got all the letters behind her name. She studied all the brain science. She she's, knows this stuff. And I learn from her and then translate it into what it means to me and then how I can help my clients and what it means for leaders. But here's the summarized version. You are responsible for regulating your own nervous system. We don't say things like, when I get caught up, I will be more I'll be less stressed, or after my vacation, I'll be less stressed. You know that you're never getting less stress and that regulating your nervous system goes from the inside out, not the outside in. So we're not waiting on something outside of us to change for us to change. We're changing and regulating every day to impact the environment outside of us. So we know the power of our own cellular structure. We know the power of our energy. We know the power of our vibes. And we take responsibility for how we bring them into the world. Now, that doesn't mean we don't get shook up once in a while. But we're really intentional and careful about what rooms we take that shook up energy into. And much more interested in saying, I'm going to need to take a minute before I address this. Or this isn't a good time. Can we schedule a time to discuss this? And that's the way we are with our families. That's the way we are with our friends, with our teams. We own our energy. We own who we are and how we move around through the world. We don't blame other people. We don't wait for something else to make us better, which requires us to have a daily stillness practice to regulate our nervous system. And if you've been around here more than a minute, you know that that's probably the thing I say the most. But now I'm telling you not just because I want you to feel better and I want you to avoid burnout and I want you to have less of a, or I want you to have more great feelings and less stressful feelings. I'm saying this to you today as your responsibility as a leader. I'd love to get to the point, Eric. It is mandated. And you know, I don't like things that have control-based perspectives, but this one, I could, I would. Because the energy you bring into the room is leadership. And even if you've learned to fake it, And you know, a lot of leaders have. Our bodies aren't reading what you're saying. We're reading how we feel around you. And we're responding to how we feel around you. So you know those leaders where something just don't feel quite right. 
they're saying all the right things and they're smiling while they do it. And they even wearing a pretty good suit or an outfit or dress or something. But your spidey sense is going, nope. Well, that is the beautiful intelligence that we are all hardwired with. The spidey sense is something is off. Good vibes versus bad vibes. So you may have rehearsed the speech that the communications manager wrote for you for the meeting, or you may have written out the bullet points that you think people want to hear. But in the moment, people are reading something very different from you. And in order to create an environment that is psychologically safe, where everyone feels safe to be themselves, we as leaders are responsible for regulating our nervous system and bringing a good vibe energy into the room. And when I say good vibe energy, I don't mean that you have to be bubbly and outgoing. I know a lot of really profound, wonderful people that are not, that are introverts and are very quiet, but their energy makes me feel safe. I also know people that are introverts and quiet that their energy makes me really uncomfortable because I think that they're looking for something to use against me with their quietness. You see what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not about personality. It's about the vibe that you bring into the room, the energetic vibe. And I'm using this more and more to help leaders understand the role that this plays in burnout. Because burnout isn't always about there was too much work to do and I didn't feel like my personal life was honored. Sometimes burnout is the leaders got some bad vibes that make people feel uncomfortable. So even if your task list isn't overflowing, your energy starts to match theirs and you get uncomfortable. And when you're nervous system is dysregulated from that experience, it's exhausting because all of the cells in your body are just banging into each other like you ran a marathon. It gets deep, y'all. And so as leaders, you can go study another book on business and it'll have incremental impact. But if you study a book on neuroscience in the nervous system or you go and meet with a therapist to uncover the undercurrent of anger that still exists from childhood experiences and trauma that still shows up in the triggers that you have today in, in business and in life and address those. Or you hire a coach that helps hold up the mirror and for you to see you and understand your patterns and then ask you really good questions about where you think that comes from and what those motivations are. Now that's some, that's some good stuff. That's going to give you a better life and better impact to the team and the organization. And you know what makes me really, well, what's the right word? Frustrated. That just seems too generic for what I'm actually feeling. I also know that the people that listen to my podcast aren't the ones that really need to hear this. Because people that listen to a podcast called Write Your Own Story are the ones that are already looking for self-awareness. They hit subscribe to a podcast to get that on a, on, the, on a weekly basis. You're my clients or you're just in that same like, yeah, I get it. And so when I do episodes like this, I start to picture 
some of those people that are faking it and that are using the buzzwords and that are showing up on LinkedIn, using the buzzwords and posting articles that make it look like they care. And it's all just a mask for more command and control. And then it messes it up for even more people because then people go, well, that person said that they care about diversity or DEI or whatever. But I know a woman that used to report to him and he's awful. And then there's confusion about, is, is there even really good leadership anymore? Does it even exist? Is there a place where I can go to work and feel safe? So those people are making it really hard for the rest of us who are trying to authentically do this kind of work. And especially those that have a big platform or have a big company or those that are getting significant financial results. And so they're getting written up in the news a lot and touted as this great leader. And I know people that wouldn't work for them for another seven minutes if they were starving to death. That might have been a harsh hyperbole comment. Been trying to reel those in a little bit, but that one might have slipped out. And so the bigger challenge for us who are in tune to being intensely self-aware and want to learn about the energy that we bring in the room to regulate our nervous system. Now, our responsibility is to go have enough ripple effect impact by us practicing this, that we get the attention of others who say, I want to work for them. And then I need you all to be getting promoted or starting your own business. And having more value, relevance, and impact in the world. Because unfortunately, it's tough to have conversations with the people that need it most because they are getting good results and they are getting written up in the media. And mediocre leaders like instant gratification. And so there's no catalyst for change. There's no disruption of the pattern for them. There's no painful fall like my client had that said, oh, wait, wait a minute. What can I learn from this? And so if we, as the great leaders who want to be intensely self-aware and are actively practicing these things, if we wait for the others to get on board, we're doing a disservice to the rest of the people who need great leaders. I look at the 20-year-olds and the 25-year-olds who are looking around at some of these leaders like, what is going on? Do they just not get it? Nope, they don't. So I need us that do get it to have more influence, to have more responsibility, to have more people that report to you, to start your own business, to write your own story so that everybody has access to a phenomenal leader who takes that responsibility really seriously for the lives that they're changing and impacting every day with their energy. And I want to help us do that without having a significant fall like my client had that helped us learn some of this language today, or at least the importance of it to illustrate. It's not, it's, it, it's not just a gut feeling, it's real. That gut feeling that you have that it's important, it's real. I want you to trust it. I want you to trust yourself. I want you to ask for more responsibility. I want you to have more impact. That's all. That's all for today. Because I feel like I just I could just roll on with this one for hours. I do get really emotional about it. After these 
episodes, when I record them, I hit turn off the mic and hit end and send it off to the great people at Share Your Genius. P.S. I'm partnering with Share Your Genius in Atlanta, Georgia, to talk about why your story matters, which a lot of this stuff is going to show up in that talk. But anyway, after I hit end on these episodes, I usually have to go walk in the woods and just kind of regulate my own nervous system because I start thinking about these things and such depth of the ability that we have to change the world and to impact society. And then it could go a lot quicker and be a lot better if there were more of us. And then I'm just like, (laughs) and so then I have to go for a walk. And Zuri, my dog and I need to just take a beat, take a moment. Sometimes I take my shoes off in the grass and just ground myself and just everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Because I'm counting on you and I know y'all are activators. So it's all good. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being a part of this community. Thank you for being the kind of person that is interested in intense self-awareness and being aware of the energy and impact that you have on your family in your home, on the barista, on the barista at Starbucks, the FedEx man that comes to the door, the team you lead, the company you lead. Thank you for knowing that the age of humanity is here and that you have a key role and responsibility in it. I really do love you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode. I would love it if you would go to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. And then you can go to RebeccaFleetwoodHessian.com and join the Badass Women's Council. And if you really want to take a deeper dive, join the movement of a thousand thriving women. There's amazing Thrive tools there for you today. Love you, mean it. I'm not coming down. Hey, y'all. Fun fact. If you like the music for the podcast, that is actually my son, Cameron Hessian. And I would love it if you would go to Spotify and iTunes and follow him and download some of his other music. My personal favorite is TV Land.